You know how you hear that old saying sometimes, you don't know what you don't know? Well, in episode nine today of Exit the Drinking Life, I'm going to share with you things I wish I'd known when I first started questioning my drinking. Are you finding yourself drinking way more alcohol than you ever thought you would? Are you looking for a way to make alcohol an irrelevant part of your life? Then stay tuned because my name's Debbie Talbert and I've been right where you've been. And each week I'm going to bring you episodes helping you to do just that, make alcohol irrelevant in your life. Hello, my friends. I hope all is going fabulously for you guys. Today, I have really been focusing on and thinking about this episode for a little while because before the name change was necessary, the most popular download I had of the in the previous podcast under the Sober Curious name was seven things I wish I'd known when I first started questioning my drinking. So what I'm going to do today is kind of share those seven things with you because as we've learned from episode four and then Jane's story and then the, the part two of the number one thing keeping us in this trap feeling with alcohol and feeling like it has more control than we have and stuck in the turmoil is belief, right? And so by me believing these, especially these particular seven things, by me believing these things, I stayed in the trauma and the drama way, way longer than was necessary. I had way more hangovers, way more fights, and a lot more tears. And if I had known possibly even only one of these things had shifted my belief about one of these things, my journey would, during the my turbulent year of over a decade of turbulence, would have probably lasted, I would say, at least half the time with just shifting one of these things. So the first one that I want to share with you that is, I actually think is kind of the most important because for most people who believe this, they don't even bother to start looking at their relationship or trying to change it at all. And so the number one thing is that I want you to wrap your head around and that I want you to let go of the story, right? Just like in the X that you're going to hear later on, but the X out the story you've been telling yourself about having to decide to quit forever before you even start to make some changes. So let's take this belief and this thought that you have to decide to quit forever before you even start to make any changes in your relationship with alcohol, before you even really seriously address what you know is showing up in your life, and before you're even really honest with yourself, if you are having the thought and the belief, I have to decide to quit forever. Well, first of all, for most people, alcohol is almost like their friend. And so just this thought of having to quit forever it kind of brings you to a mourning state or negative kind of emotions. And if we take a look at this through the observation cycle, right, where let's say we have this thought and this belief where we're looking at and observing what's going on in our life with alcohol. And on a conscious level, we know things are happening that we would like to not happen, right? And then we take this thought, 
well, bef- I'm going to have to decide to quit forever. Why bother? Right? Or even take off that why bother? Just this thought of, I'm going to have to decide to quit forever. And so then knowing that the next part of that is a feeling that you have, for most people, when you're kind of having that thought, you're feeling more like despair or depressed or victimized. And when you're in any of those kind of emotional states, most of the time, the kind of actions that you take are avoidance types actions or pretending like it's not happening, keep on doing what you're doing. And so then the result that you get are the same things that are showing up in your life this, that you have to quit forever. So you're just not even going to decide to even look at it. And so by repeatedly thinking this thought in some form around that particular line where you're going to have to decide to quit forever, then you won't address it. You won't look at it. You won't even take a look at it. And you're avoiding the whole thing because of that belief going on in you. And the truth is your current pattern of drinking, it developed over time, right? Well, my hunch is if you really take an honest look at it and your journey into your drinking patterns and the relationship you have with alcohol right now, it was very, very gradual. Well, just like you transition transitioned into uh, drinking every once in a while to drinking every Friday to drinking every day, and then you started over drinking every day. That was all gradual and transitioning, right? And so I want you to try on the belief and look at this in a whole new way and to realize that you can also transition from a daily over drinker to an occasional drinker, to a non-drinker, if that's what you decide to do. You can also transition into a person that has no control right now into a person that can make control and make choices. It really is up to you. You truly do get to choose what kind of relationship that you want to have with alcohol. The first thing is, though, you have to realize you don't have to decide to quit forever before you start addressing this. And the next one that I want to take a look at and the belief that I had was there was only one way to this path of alcohol freedom. And the truth is there is more than one way. And there are out there, especially online, several choices and several things that you can do and ways and methods that you can utilize to change and transform your relationship with alcohol. And when I believe that the only way was the method through AA and this total willpower and this identifying myself as an alcoholic, this actually kept me stuck for years and years. I knew I wanted to stop drinking, but the sheer thoughts and beliefs, like I told you, the the only reason we do anything is because of how we believe it's going to make us feel. When I thought that I would need to repeatedly identify myself as a damaged person in some way, and that the only path to this, finding this freedom, was this one path, I just felt like it was totally wrong for me, and it was not really a match. And I want you to know that there is more than one path to finding the freedom that you're seeking in your relationship with alcohol and regaining the control. 
The next idea I want you to wrap your head around and really open up your mind to is that the only label you need is your name. Being able to drink isn't normal, quote unquote, and not being able to drink isn't abnormal, quote unquote. Yes, I'm doing the little quotes in the air as I'm standing here talking into the mic. Now, social programming teaches us the ability to drink without developing an over-desire for alcohol. If you're an individual like that, you're classified as normal, quote-unquote, as if alcohol is like a part of our lives and it needs to be a part of our lives. And then if you are someone that develops this over desire for alcohol, then you are somehow diseased. Well, and alcohol, the truth is alcohol is poisonous to our body. And this is why our bodies react the way that it does to alcohol. And over time, because alcohol is actually a drug, anyone can become addicted to it. And by attaching labels, and we know how attaching labels to anything, as like as kids, we name, you know, when we're little kids, we are like naming and labeling people and shaming people throughout our lives before we actually taught and understand and know better. Yet the labels still stick, right? And that's very challenging for people as they're growing up if they were shamed and labeled. And so by attaching a label to ourselves. It actually leads to shame. And then the shame leads to disconnection. And then shame is the fear that something we've done or failed to do, and then, or we've failed to live up to some ideal, makes us unworthy somehow of like connection. That's where shame really truly comes in. And this is according to Brene Brown, and she's a, a shame and vulnerability researcher. And if you haven't really taken the time to search her out and look for her TED talk and stuff, I highly, highly recommend that. But this thinking and believing that you're going to need, once you decide you're going to address this, that you're going to need to now label yourself. This is another thing that I wish I had known because labeling myself was the last thing that I wanted to do. And if you're in the same place, I just want you to know that you don't need to identify as anything in order to stop drinking. And the next thing that I wish I had known, which I still remind myself of this one a lot, and it has nothing to do with around drinking, but it just has to do in in life period. But you really don't have to believe everything that you tell yourself, right? We have this tendency to listen to that voice in our head, right? And so a belief is really thoughts that we think over and over again. And right now, the thoughts and the stories that you keep telling yourself about alcohol and what life will be like if you decide to go on this journey and have less of it, less of it, less of it in your life and really work on regaining your control over it, all of those thoughts are actually what is making it seem like it's going to be impossible for you. For myself, I actually believed like I had that FOMO, right? That fear of missing out, fear of all the things that I was going to miss out on if I gave up alcohol. For the longest time, I was convinced that I would never have fun, that my friends would find me boring, that my life would be boring, And it would be the scariest thing ever. And that life would just no longer be fun because I didn't have my friend alcohol in it. And 
I am here to tell you that that is the farthest thing from the truth. It actually, not having alcohol in my life actually allows me to feel all of my emotions to a much higher level, the, the wonderful ones as well as the not so wonderful ones. But now I know that I am in a place in a state where I can feel these emotions and I can figure out and I can survive it and I can, what I, I can do something about it and that I have control. And so now it has been allowing me to be brave in other areas of my life, like showing up here and doing a podcast for you guys, right? And so by letting go of all those stories and those things that I was telling myself, it actually helped me to have a more exciting, engaging, interesting life by letting alcohol go. The next belief that I held on to for far too long was that a rock bottom is necessary in order for me to even seek help. I mean, because for me in my life, I was highly, highly functional. I, I never actually missed work. I didn't have any DUIs. I actually, I did get arrested once. <laughs> but, and I was drunk at the time when I did do it. So I did have that particular situation. However, for myself, in that situation, that was actually a charge that was dropped. And if we ever do meet in person, you guys can ask me all about that one. Well, I'm not going to really go into that and share this on the podcast. But for the longest time, I actually believed that a rock bottom was totally 100% necessary. That there was, and again, that goes back to the social programming that I was believing. That I was normal, quote unquote, in my drinking because nothing traumatic and drastic on the, to the outside world had actually happened. And so for me, I allowed myself to believe that I didn't need to do anything about it because I didn't really have this true big rock bottom. The next one that really kept me stuck and really all seven of these that I'm sharing with you today, these were my constant beliefs floating around and thoughts all around these particular, I've kind of narrowed them down to sentences that kind of help me describe them the most. But these were all the constants that were running around in my brain and inside my head. And hold on, I'm going to have to pause this a second. I got to already I'm back. Sorry about that. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the another one that really, really kept me stuck, and this is number six on the list for those of you who like to keep track of what, how, how many have been going on here so far. And I will recap them at the end because I'm going to leave you with a, a process and a tool and a tip to help you because I really want you guys to execute on something that I'm sharing with you here today because it's going to make a difference for you. And so the sixth one is there is nothing wrong with you. For the longest time, I believed that social conditioning and that social programming, that there was normal drinkers and there was abnormal drinkers. And the reality is there was absolutely nothing wrong with you. If you're at this point and you have found me and you're listening to me on a regular basis and you have this burning desire to exit the drinking life, it's part of it holding you in there might be your belief that there's something wrong with you. And if you're believing this, there's something wrong with me, I want to invite you to go again, we take the observation cycle. And when you believe that thought, how do you actually feel? 
right? And because our emotions, feelings are what cause us to act, react, or not act, right? And so when we're in those negative feeling states, the kinds of actions we're taking or the lack of action that we're doing in isolating and hiding and not telling ourselves the truth about what's going on in our life is what will keep us stuck. And the results is we're just going to keep repeating the same pattern in our life. And so by me believing that there was something wrong with me, I kept myself stuck into the vicious cycle. And the truth is that your brain is functioning 100% normal. You have actually trained your brain to over-desire alcohol. And this is why right now it's become so important to you. Is because you've trained your brain that that's what it needs in order to get through, de-stress, have fun, all kinds of things. And so you've trained your brain to this way. And so this is really actually good news because if you're the one that trained it to do this, you're also the one that can untrain it. All right. And then the last one, number seven, that I want to get you to wrap around your idea because for the longest time, I believe that failure was a bad thing. Right. Well, I want to introduce you to a new thought. Failure is a good thing. Right? Because the reality, there's a lot of fear around this idea of what if I try and I fail? And this is really with anything. I want you to really look at what um, anything you're able to do in your life right now. You have more than likely you were unable to do it the first time that you tried. And so we think that if we try this and we fail... And again, I go back to the only reason we do anything is because of how we think it's going to make us feel, right? And so if we try this and, and, it, and we fail, it means that we're worse off than we thought, right? And that we're never going to be able to get this figured out. And the truth is that for most people, they stumble along the way into transforming anything in life, right? I mean, just take, I just spent a few week, a few days with my my grandkids in Memphis, and one's two and one's five. Yes, they can both walk now, and the two-year-old, she's learning to talk. Now, if she actually failed at pronouncing something right the first time, and we told her, oh, forget it, don't talk, shut your mouth, don't talk anymore, you failed, you didn't say that right, or that does not mean that, you don't know why, you, you know, that's not the name of that. I mean, if we said and did things to her around what I know, some of the things that you are saying and doing to yourself in your own mind, then she would never talk. She would just stop talking and wouldn't even try. And so the truth is the definition, if you actually look it up, of failure, what it actually means is it's omission of action or either uh, an action that you omitted or something on your your part wasn't exactly just right, right? So just take ex the example of the two-year-old learning to talk. She didn't pronounce the word just right. So we tell her what the word is, right? And it's a data point that she actually has, right? And so she's getting the knowledge of the correct way. Or she points to something and calls it something that it's not. And we just kindly let her know, oh, no, this is this instead of this, right? And so this is really failure. The reality is it is it's totally harmless if you look at it from what it really is. It's just an omitted action or something on your part was just not quite right.
right? So it's simply part of something that was omitted. And so then it turns out not to happen the way we expected. That's really not, that's easy, right? That's not really that big of a deal. However, we are so socially programmed to believe that failure is this horrible, horrific thing. And I really want to invite you to wrap your your brain around, okay, failure is actually a good thing because it's giving me, let's say you decide, okay, I'm going to choose to only have two drinks and then you have three drinks and you could, if you are repeating and using that as failure, then you're going to not really take the time to really learn and get data points like a scientist would for yourself on, okay, what was I thinking when I went to the third one and didn't stop at the second one? What was going on around me? Like, be your scientist. Ask questions. Be your detective for yourself. Observer to watcher. After the fact, if you start to view these little blips as data points and blips, and you're going to collect the data, and what actually happened in the event, and what can I do different the next time, then just like the very first thing that I shared, where this whole process can be a gradual transition from a everyday overdrinker to an occasional overdrinker to a daily drinker of a glass of wine to a non-drinker at all, if that's the direction that you want to go, right? So by letting go of failure being such a horrible, horrendous thing, this is also going to help you on your journey. So what I want to do is kind of recap the seven things that I shared with you. So the first is you do not have to decide to quit forever before you do anything about your drinking right now. Then the second is the only label you need is your name. And you don't have to believe everything you tell yourself. A rock bottom isn't necessary to make a change. There is nothing wrong with you. You've just programmed yourself to over-desire alcohol and failure is a good thing. And then the last one is there is more than one way to transform your relationship with alcohol. So what I want to do now is I want to leave you guys with a a wrap up and an idea of something that I want you to try. It's what I call um, five day experiments. And this is really evolving around your beliefs and taking a look at what these beliefs are and if any of you're having any of these that you have. But the way that this actually works and what I've discovered is when I have attempted to do something and then something is omitted and so then my own expectations are not met, the only feeling that I'm going to have in the end is based upon what I decide to think because our thoughts lead to our feelings and then our feelings lead to our actions, our reactions, or our non-action, right? And so I'm the one with all the power because I am the one that I get to choose, right? So I get to decide and I get to choose how I want to feel when the desired expectations are not met. If I choose 
to have thoughts that lead me to negative emotions, then I'm the one that's going to feel disappointed. I'm the one that's going to have the hurt feelings because of the thoughts that I chose to have. Yet, on the other hand, if I choose to think about the missing mark as a way that uplifts me, then I'm going to have a whole different experience and positive emotions are going to come out of it. Because the truth is we get to experience failure. It's our choice how we want to experience failure and view failure based on how we think. So let's say that you set the attention and that I'm going to experiment with life alcohol-free for five days. And you've, you're excited about the experiment, but on day three, you consume alcohol. And you start the negative dialogue, right, in your head about, what a failure. Only made it three days. I just had two more to go. I, even, I shouldn't even try to do this. I'm never going to be able to figure this out. And that feels terrible, right? That leads to all kinds of horrible negative emotions. And then the reason that it feels terrible is because you're making it mean that there is something wrong with you, right? And so then in this, the failure is only awful because you're making it awful with your thoughts. And the next thing you know, you start avoiding doing something that will cause you to have failure in any way before you even realize it. My hunch is just as I'm telling you this, you're probably thinking about remembering and noticing experiences that you've had where you've done just that to yourself. And then you started avoiding trying that whatever that was that you admitted something from and failure took place. The desired expectations didn't come from it. Whatever happened, it took place and you started avoiding not doing it, right? However, if on the other hand, you set the same five-day experiment you consume alcohol on day three and you say something about like, I am awesome. I completed two and a half days on my experiment. I am starting to figure this out. I didn't make it my five days, but I did it 2.5. What can I do to move forward from there? And can you feel the difference and experience the difference and notice that the experience of not meeting expectations or taking a required actions feels so different simply based upon the thoughts. So what I want to leave you guys with today is to experiment with and try on some of the thoughts that I left you here. Are some of these things, do you wish someone had told you these sooner? Or simply by me telling you these today, is it making a difference for you? And I want you to really try them on. Ask yourself, what do I believe about deciding to quit? Do I believe I have to f- quit forever? And is that stopping me? Or um, do I believe that there's only one way to become alcohol free or to regain control of alcohol? And is that what's stopping me? Or do I believe this label thing, right? Is it stopping me because I think I have to label myself in some way? Is that what's stopping me? Or do I believe everything that I'm telling myself about how horrible life is going to be without alcohol in it or how hard this journey is going to be? And now on that one, I want to invite you to think about the truth here. Isn't what you're already doing hard? So you're already doing hard, right? So even if this turns out to be a little bit hard, 
and you have some of those data points and you experience a little bit of that omission and also known as a failure, is that going to be any harder than what you're already experiencing right now? I really want you to be honest with yourself about that. And are you or are you believing that a rock bottom is necessary? Or do you believe in that there's something wrong with you? And then the last one is, what do you believe about failure? Struggling, struggling, struggling with my own drinking, shame, regret, worry cycle for over a decade and being able to unable to exit that drinking cycle is now my mission to help you exit the drinking life so you can end the cycle of shame, regret, and worry. Now, one quick tip. Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you have just learned and introduce it into your subconscious mind. Remember, exit. E-X-I-T. E stands for execute. Execute on something you learned here today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you put it into practice what you learn. So find a way to execute one thing you just learned. Ask yourself, what is one thing I heard today I can put into effect in my life today? X. X stands for X out those old stories you've been telling yourself about alcohol. Put on your Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes detective skills and question those stories for their truth in your life. Xing out old beliefs is the key to exiting the drinking life. I stands for Instagram. There's a movement towards making conscious choice to exit the drinking life. Follow me over on Instagram. It's Debbie, D-E-B-I dot Talbert. Plus, search out the hashtags such as like sober life, sober living, sober lifestyle. This journey can feel lonely and overwhelming. Instagram is where you'll find a tribe of others just like yourself who are exiting the drinking life. They're in the process of it or they've already exited. And then when you're ready, join in on the conversation. Tag me, Debbie.Talbert as well as start using the hashtag exit the drinking life and share what you're executing. T stands for teach. If you want to exit faster, the key to locking in your new knowledge right away is to teach it to someone else. When you teach something, you actually get to learn it twice. Here is a super simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. The awesome thing is you can pick any username you want for your review so you can stay anonymous. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. And then when you're ready to open up about your journey, you can also post and share this podcast on your social media. Your willingness to teach and share helps you exit faster. Plus, it will help others who are stuck in the shame, regret, worry cycle find the help that they are seeking. So what does exit stand for? Execute, X out old beliefs, Instagram, and teach. I'll be back between your ears soon. In the meantime, you can always reach me over at jumpseatcoaching.com. Yes, yes, you can exit the drinking life one belief at a time.